Uh, so anyway, I thought about uh, just kind of going over what I learned from, uh, from last week uh, because I learned a lot. And I know you have too. I've, I've uh, gotten emails and texts and, and had conversations. Uh, the one thing that stuck out to me was uh, the idea or, or not the idea, but the, the uh, method of forgiveness. And if you were here, you know what I'm talking about. You don't forgive and put a period on it. It's a forgive and forgive and forgive. And uh, that's, that's one thing that I that I learned uh, last week. So I thought about that, uh, decided to go a different direction, but, uh, but that's, that, I know we had a good time, I heard from you, and I know you were blessed as well, and I'm grateful for that. Two weeks ago, we looked at the first four plagues, and uh, this morning, what I've decided to do is look at the last five. Now, I know there are ten, but we're going to look at the last one by itself next week. I think that's a category... All unto its own, and so we're gonna we're gonna look at that last uh, plague by itself next week. But what I want to do is look at the last five plagues um, of the first nine this morning. Now we need to make sure that we're all on the same page. If you missed a couple weeks ago for for whatever reason, or you're a guest with us, it's important that we're on the on the same page because when we think about the plagues, many times what comes to mind is that God. Um, in sending the plagues, was doing one of two things. Number one, he was either um, getting rid of or or causing pain um, to the bad guys. And, and one camp is is in the church is yes, I'm I'm all about that. When anytime God takes care of the bad people, takes care of the bad guys, I'm I'm all for that. And then there's the other group that says, you know what? I think that's what happened, and that's why I don't like church or, or organized religion at all in the first place. I mean, that's, that's the reason I gave up on this thing in the first place. And what we said two weeks ago is that neither of those um, responses is true. They're superficial responses at best. What was going on in the plagues is um, Moses was told by God to go to Pharaoh. Go up to Pharaoh and say, hey, I want you to let my people go, that they may worship me. And Moses, um, uh, excuse me, Pharaoh responds to that uh, demand. In Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, here's how Pharaoh responds. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? And God in his mercy, God in his mercy sends nine plagues to answer that question. Now you hear that, you might go, what? In his mercy? I mean, come on now. These were miserable. And they were. But God could have, at the, at the very point that this question was asked, God could have wiped them all off the earth. He had the power to do it. Or... Maybe worse, he could have just remained silent. He could, have, he could have let the question hang. But in his mercy, over and over and over again, God attempts to answer the question, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? The first, the first plague that he sends is he turns the Nile River into blood. And if you remember, they, the, the, the Egyptians worshipped the Nile River. In fact, they gave a god a name, Happy. And it represented the Nile River. And God, in his mercy, takes out the Nile River. It is no longer the, 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 um, 
the vein of life for that country. And God is telling them through this slave, you find your hope, you find your, your source of strength, you find, every, you, you, you find um, uh, your prosperity in the Nile River. The Nile River will not bring that prosperity, will not bring that um, influence. That is found only in me. Then he sends frogs attacking another god, the goddess of Hecate. You want fruitfulness? You want to be? You want to live a fruitful life? Fruitfulness is not found in the goddess of Hecate. She cannot bring that to you. It's found in me. And then he sends gnats and flies with the same message. You want to find what your heart's longest, deepest desire is. It is found in me. And we're going to see this same kind of thread, the same, the same thread of mercy, the this, this same thread of grace weaved in these last five plagues as well. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in uh, Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9. We're not going to read all of these. You can take a deep breath or, or be grateful for that. We're going to I'll talk about some, but we, we are going to start, jump in in verse 1. Of chapter 9. This is the fifth plague that comes to the nation of, of Egypt, and the livestock are about to be struck with uh, sickness and death. Verse 1, here's how it goes. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. And if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall. With a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So that nothing of all, uh, so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. And the story unfolds. Pharaoh calls Moses and says, Moses, call off the dogs. Tell the Lord to take this sickness away from our cattle. And I will let the people go and worship the Lord. And so Moses goes to the Lord and says, God, please take the sickness away from the cattle. And that's exactly what happened. And then Moses, through, hardness, uh, through the hardness of his heart, refuses to let the people Go. And so God sends the sixth plague. The sixth plague yeah, that God sends, that the Lord sends, is boils. The boils covered all of the Egyptian people and livestock. And Pharaoh asked Moses to come. Moses comes before Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, tell God to take away the boils, and I will let the people of Israel go and worship the Lord. Moses goes and asks God to take away the boils, and that's exactly what happens. And, May, and, and Pharaoh refuses after the respite. After God takes away the, bo the boils, Pharaoh refuses to let the people go. And so God sends the seventh plague. Hail. We pick up the story in verse 13 of chapter 9. Something interesting happens in this plague that I want to point out. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning. And present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, 
Let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people. So that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. We see that over and over and over again. So that you would know that there's none like me. All of your hopes, all of your dreams are found in me. Verse 15. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence. And you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power. So that my name would be proclaimed in all of the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people. And will not let them go. And you know what happens? God sends the boil, or excuse me, sends the hail. Pharaoh calls Moses, tell God to take it away. That's exactly what happens. But Pharaoh refuses to let the people go. We see it in verse 27. Jump down. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, this time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But... As for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord. The flax and the barley were struck down. For the barley was in the ear and the flax was in bud. But the wheat and the emir were not struck down. For they are late coming up. So here's what's happening that's interesting. When you get to the hail, when you get to the plague of, of the hail, Pharaoh calls Moses and says, hey, I have sinned against God. But Moses responds and says, no, you do not yet fear the Lord. When I was growing up, my dad said it like this. Scott, you're sorry you got caught. You're not sorry for what you did. And that's exactly what Pharaoh is doing here. And the last two verses of, of that text right there tells us what's happening. That half of the crop has come. Half the crop has already come in. This hail came down. This plague came down and destroyed half of the crop in the entire nation of Egypt. But the, the last half of the crop has not yet uh, bloomed yet. Has not, has not, uh, is late coming in. And Pharaoh thinks he's going to outsmart God. The God of the universe. The God of creation. He thinks he's going to outsmart him. And so he says, Moses... Just tell God that I am sorry. He's the one who's in the right. And he's playing this game with God as if God doesn't know his heart and doesn't know his mind. And God calls him out on it. And says, no, no, no. You will not play games with me. I don't do your bidding. I am the God of the universe. And God will have none of it. after this unfolds, Pharaoh refuses once again to let the people go. And so God sends two more plagues. The plague of the locusts and the darkness that falls over all of Egypt. 
In the last two plagues, uh, when God sends dark, uh, locusts and darkness, something interesting happens in these um, uh, two plagues as well. And maybe, I put it in my notes, maybe you're like me and you have done this before. Pharaoh, after striking out with the hail, tries to, to cut a deal or strike a deal with God. He tries to barter with God. And um, with all the plagues, God has demanded that Pharaoh let all of the Israelites go and their cattle and all of their belongings. He, God tells Pharaoh over and over and over again, let all of the people with all of their belongings and all of their cattle go out into the desert and worship me, offer sacrifices to me. Well, after the locust, Pharaoh's starting to get beat down a little bit. And so he tries to cut a deal with God. Uh, we don't have time to read it this morning, but this week I would challenge you to read it. When, when you get to the, the locust, Pharaoh says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Here, Moses, here's the deal. Here's the, the deal that I want to cut with you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let all the men go out to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses says, no. All of the people, God is demanding that all of the people go out and worship him. And so finding out that that deal wasn't struck, that God wasn't gonna, go, going to take that lowball offer after the darkness, he tries to cut another deal with God. And he says, okay, everybody can go out and sacrifice, but the cattle have to stay in Egypt. Here's what I put in my notes. Pharaoh will not give what God always demands. He always demands from you and from me as well. He always demands full surrender. And Pharaoh refuses to give it to the God of the universe. It's, it's almost as if Pharaoh... <coughs> is bartering with, with, with a God who will not barter, who will not strike a deal. He, he will only accept one thing, and that is full and total surrender, and Pharaoh refuses to give it. And we do the same thing, don't we? God, God, I will do anything with my life, but just make sure that my kids look close to me when they get older. God, I'll, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. As long as it's within the United States of America. God, God I, will, I will do whatever it is you call me to do as long as I make $100,000 a year. And you try to, we, 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 I'm not just saying you, I do the same thing. We try to strike a deal with God as if he is up for bartering. As if he is up for negotiation, uh, negotiations. And yet his word tells us time after time after time. All throughout the scriptures that there is only one thing that he accepts. And that is complete and total surrender. Because he's the God of the universe. Now the great thing is, we're incapable of doing that. So he sent his son to do it on our behalf. He loves us enough that his son surrendered him, himself perfectly. On our behalf, if we will believe it by faith and accept it. Pharaoh thought he could barter with God. And it cost him pain, 
heartache and death. Because God accepts one thing, and that is full surrender. Look at how this play closes out. Verse 27 of chapter 10. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you shall die. Moses said, as you say, I will not see your face again. In these nine plagues, there are four things that I think we see about God. As he answers the question, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Number one is this. The Lord is the true God. The first thing that we see in the plagues, as God answers the question, who is the Lord that I should obey him, is this. The Lord is the true God. This is at the heart of the plagues. We've been talking about this over and over and over again. The, the, the Egyptians, and I would actually include the Israelites in this. We're going to see this in just a few weeks as we continue our study through Exodus. But God is showing the, the Egyptians and the Israelites, you want to find hope, you want to find peace, you want to find comfort, you want to find security. It is not found in any of the gods that you worship. It is found only in me. I am the source of life. I am the source of security. It is found in me. I am the Lord, who is the true God. This week, I got a text from my brother. He's a, a missionary in Thailand. This week, they were doing a medical um, uh, clinic in, in, a, in a neighboring town from where they live. And the, the medical clinic actually took place in a, in, right outside, in, in, inside a Hindu temple. Kind of weird, but that's where they, were, they set up this, this medical clinic. My brother and his family, they were, they were helping um, interpret and, and do different things with the medical clinic. Well, during a break, he and his kids went inside the Hindu temple to look around. And I have a, a, what my nephew, his name is Everett. He's one year old. And then my uh, niece, her name is Adeline. She's about my daughter's age. Uh, at Molly Kate, she's four years old, just a couple weeks younger than, than Molly Kate. And they were inside the temple looking around. And Everett, the one-year-old, started to climb these stairs to this um, Hindu god. There was a, an idol that they had constructed that they put in the temple. And you climb the stairs to go up and to worship this, this idol. Well, Everett, my one-year-old uh, nephew, starts to walk up the stairs to see this idol. And my little niece, four-year-old niece Adeline, so that everybody in the temple could hear, said, Everett. Don't climb the stairs. We don't worship that thing. We worship the true God. That's exactly what God was trying to teach the Egyptians. Over and over and over again. I am the true God. The one who is the source for all of your hopes and your dreams. Now, you sit here and you go, okay, we're Americans. We're too sophisticated to, to, to build these idols and worship. We know that's just uh, things. that we're, we're too sophisticated for that. And so we just substitute power and money and influence to the same end and with the same result. And God is... Shouting through the halls of history and from the pages of scripture saying, you want to find hope and peace and influence, it is found in me. I am the true God. 
Number two. The Lord is the mighty creator. The Lord, we also see in these, in, in these plagues that the Lord is the mighty creator. As Christians, we have a unique view of creation. Um, we don't believe, as other religions do, that, that the, this earth was formed as the result of two dueling deities. And there was a clash between these dueling deities, and the result was that the world was, um, uh, was created. We also don't believe that we were created, that the world was created by chance or by accident. Instead, as believers, we believe that, um, the, 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 that um, creation was an outflow of the Trinity's perfect harmony and unity. It, it, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in perfect harmony and unity and love for one of another. The outflow of that, or the overflow of that, was that the earth was created. There was an abundance of unity, an abundance of harmony, an abundance of love. And the overflow of that uh, was onto the canvas of creation. This is altogether unique, altogether different view of creation. In creation, before sin entered the picture, God takes man, women, um, animals, plants, land, water, and weather, and he turns them into a perfect, interdependent, harmonious whole. But in this story, in the plagues, we see the exact opposite. Scholars have pointed out that the plagues are an undoing of creation. Uh, we see this most clearly with, 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 with the plague of darkness. In creation, God speaks, and there is light. But in the plagues, God moves, and darkness falls over all of Egypt. Nature, in the, in the plagues, nature is out of control. It's breaking down. Going crazy is in utter chaos. And the God of creation is in total control of it, over it. In the plagues, we see that the Lord is the true God. Number two, that the Lord is the mighty creator. Number three, the Lord is a just judge. The Lord is a just judge. Look at Exodus chapter 9, verse 8. This is the plague of the boils. Uh, chapter 9, verse 8. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron. Let's see if I can wait just a second. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln and let Moses throw them into the air in the sight of Pharaoh. In my mind's eye, when I'm thinking about that, this when I read this this week, in my mind's eye, I, LeBron James comes to my mind. I don't know if you've ever watched him play basketball. But right before the game starts, he goes to the counter, and he, he gets this powder, and he fills his hands up, and he just throws it into the air. And in my mind's eye, that's exactly what Moses is doing. Uh, LeBron James kind of took his cue from Moses. <laughs> you might ask, how is this a picture of the just judge, God who is the just judge? Let me see if I can paint the picture for you. Earlier in Exodus, God goes to Moses and says, I want you to go and set my people free. Moses goes to Egypt. He goes before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I'm not letting him go. And in fact, he, he sentences them to hard labor. Before, he was responsible for gathering the straw for the bricks that the Israelites built or made. But now he says, you're going to be responsible for uh, gathering the straw and making the bricks. And he sets a quota that's impossible to fulfill. So day after day after day, the Israelites are sentenced to hard labor. And they have a certain quota, an impossible quota to fulfill. 
And as you would imagine, when there's an impossible quota, every day they fail to live up to the standard. And so Pharaoh beats the Israelites, assaults the Israelites, and in many cases kills the Israelites because they fail to measure up to an impossible standard that he has set. Complete and total injustice. And when God gets to the plague of the boils, he sends Moses to those exact same kilns, to the exact same kilns, to the exact same stove that they cook the bricks in. And Moses reaches in and he throws up the soot and down comes the boils. I put in my notes. How is justice being pronounced by God? By grabbing the ashes and throwing them into the air and allowing boils to fall. This is a reminder that God hates injustice. It will not go unpunished. Injustice that you, you see in your life that you see in our world around is exactly the same as the injustice that he dealt with in Egypt. He is a just judge. He will not allow injustice to go unpunished. He takes sin very, very seriously to the point that it cost him his own son. In the plagues, we see that God, the Lord, is the just judge. Fourthly and finally, the Lord is merciful and long-suffering. He is merciful and long-suffering. Kind of like the first one. But nine times God sent plagues so that Pharaoh and the Egyptians would know that I am God. He could have struck them down at the very beginning, but he didn't. He could have remained silent, allowing them to wonder who this God was that Moses was talking about, but he didn't. Why? Because he is merciful and long-suffering in the we see that the true God is merciful and long-suffering. This morning, as we think about the plagues moving forward, I hope that you will remember this picture that we've painted, that God is the true God. He's the only true God. He's the God of creation. He is just and he is merciful and long-suffering. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I thank you even for the plagues and what it teaches us about your character and about who you are. Father, I pray that we remember these truths from the story of the plagues. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Worship the Lord's song. Let's do it. Sing